Good evening. You're listening to the Truth Tank podcast trailer. Today, the truth has become harder to discern. Fake news, censoring of facts, media censorship, ideology over logic. The truth has become subjective. That old saying, there are two kinds of truth, rings true today. What is fact and what is fiction? You can take the blue pill and go about your day, or you can take the red pill and take a deep dive into the world of conspiracies, history's mysteries, the hidden and the forbidden past, current and global events, UFOs, aliens and the UAV phenomenon, the world of the paranormal and high strangeness, as well as the ongoing war on pop culture and society, with the occasional movie review thrown in for good measure. If this has piqued your curiosity and you want to find out how all this ties together, join me, The Tank, every month for a deep and detailed dive into the hidden and murky world of the truth. You can find and follow The Truth Tank on Facebook and Instagram. You can listen and download the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. May the truth be with you. Tinfoil hat not included. everybody welcome back to another episode of bucket of chum the shark movie podcast as always i'm your host captain steve and this week we are checking out shark attack 2 from 2001 directed by david worth and of course this is a part of attack of the sequels month here at bucket of chum and let's just dive right into the um plot synopsis right off of letterboxd a biological experiment goes bad, this time releasing a gaggle of mutated great white sharks with a taste for human flesh. Taste for hum- ugh. Taste for human flesh. Soon enough, shark expert Nick West is on the case, leading a crew to study them and eventually bring them back into captivity. West's plan hits a snag, however, when Australian shark hunter Roy Bishop is called in to wipe out the fishy menace. And this has an average rating of 2.5 stars on Letterboxd. Um, poster expectations... The poster is terrible for this one. It's early 2000s garbage. Um, It's just a girl on a surfboard with a shark behind her, and it's just very poorly composited in. Um, Of course, I always post this on uh, my Instagram as well, so you can always check it out there. But honestly, I'm excited for it. And from what I remember from the first movie, it was a mostly a mix of practical sharks and stock footage. Um, They did use it fairly well. I think the first movie left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because I remember when I recorded that episode, I actually lost the audio for it. So then I had to go back and re-record it. And so I had to do it a couple times. And I think maybe I was just mad at that. But I don't know. Um, Maybe this one's going to be a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. So maybe at some point I should give the first one a rewatch. But for now, we're talking about number two. So there's nothing else left to do but... Let's dive in. 
We start off with two female divers in Cape Town exploring a wreck, and shortly after they split up, and we see a shark approaching the wreck, and this is just stock footage, and one of the divers gets frustrated waiting for the other diver to return to her, um, but the shark finds her first and attacks, and this is shown with some like quick cuts and like extreme close-ups, um, so it looks like there's some practical work done here, but it's all cut fairly quickly. Um, so I wonder, like, if the sharks they were using just weren't great quality, which is why they cut them so fast. Or it might just be because it's early on in the movie and they just don't want to show everything right away, which is fine. I guess I'm just used to, like, Polony Brothers movies where, like, right off the bat we're shown exactly what it looks like. So this one, I guess they're playing it a little bit closer to the chest, but... So one girl is attacked and her friend starts stabbing away at the shark and she stabs it in the eye, but the shark kills the friend and swims away. Um, I'm guessing we'll see this shark again later, but who am I to say? The survivor girl surfaces and gets back into the boat, yelling her friend's name, Amy, oh my god. And then she breaks down and sobs on the boat of the, uh, on the deck of the boat. The boat of the deck. And now it's one week later, and we see some douchey business guy in a Mercedes pull up to Waterworld, an amusement park under construction with a sign saying it opens in seven days. Uh, it's starting to feel very much like Jaws 3 right off the bat. The man asks a worker where Nick is and says, where else? And then we see someone scuba diving in a pool, and this business douche waves at him through a window to get his attention. Uh, so basically, this business asshole, Michael, is getting Nick to like repair the fish tanks and all that and get it ready for opening day, take care of the fish. Um, I think later on we do learn he's a marine biologist. We don't really hear that at this point. Like, we just kind of see him, uh, he kind of like Dennis Quaid's character in Jaws 3 where he's just like an engineer or something like that. But no, he is actually the marine biologist. And Michael is just getting on Nick's case about this and just being a real douchebag about it. And Nick is literally just doing what's right and, you know, trying to make sure he, that they don't end up with a bunch of dead fish in the fucking aquarium. But, you know... Business douche, gotta be business douche. And then we go to two kids on a dock, swinging their feet in the water, and they're playing with a remote control boat when a shark just comes up and grabs it. And it is a practical shark, and I highly approve of this. It kind of reminded me of, like, The Last Shark a little bit. A little bit better than that, but if you've seen The Last Shark, then you know what I'm talking about. It had sort of that look to it, but again, like I said, it's a little bit better. Then we go back to Nick and Michael, and Michael asks Nick if he's going to uh, go and trap the shark and tranquilize it or whatever, and Nick says, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get it out of the inlet, and then Michael says, like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> when you tranquilize it, why don't you just bring it back here, and Nick is like, uh, why, and uh, because Jaws 3, that's why. Again, this is playing out like Jaws 3 so far. So, like, we have Jaws references up the fucking wahoo at this point. Nick says it's too risky, and Michael then basically threatens to fire him if he doesn't do it. So, Nick goes to the docks, and he goes down to this boat owned by Marcus and his brother, and it's called Wet Dream. Classic. And Marcus is dancing with two bikini babes on the boat with music blasting. And Nick says he'll, like, double Marcus's and his partner's rate. So they kick the girls off the boat and get to work by luring the shark and getting, like, a tranquilizer ready. So they head out, and the shark then starts attacking the boat after they lure it in. And Nick gets him with a tranquilizer. We cut to a news report on Nick capturing the shark, and it's on the TV of the woman from the beginning of the movie, and we learn Nick is the marine biologist for the park, as I mentioned earlier. Um, again, 
I, I had just assumed he was like Dennis Quaid's character, but no, he's he's like Dennis Quaid and his girlfriend's character, like mixed into one for this movie. I guess they did want to write an important part for the female because Hollywood sucks. Yeah. So they show a close-up of the shark on the TV, and the woman, uh, Samantha is her name, sees that it has the wounded eye. Ah, see, I fucking told you that shark would be coming back. Yeah, see? She wounded it in the eye, now it has a mark, now we recognize it. I told you. So uh, Nick shows up at the park, and Samantha is there finishing an argument with Michael, and I guess she was asking him to basically kill the shark because it killed her sister. Nick and Michael go to the uh, shark pool, and they've put boxes that throw out an electrical signal to keep it occupied, to keep it from banging its head on the wall. So they mentioned earlier that some other water park had, like, kept a great white shark, but it kept, like, banging its head on the walls, so they had to release it after a week. And then, like, Michael's argument was, yeah, but for that one week, they made so much fucking money. Ugh, Michael, you fucking douchebag. Anyways... And I don't know how accurate this all is. Like, I do think that Great Whites in captivity is pretty rare or just doesn't happen. I don't think it's a thing. Um, so there might be some truth behind this. And I know sharks do re react to, like, electromagnetic signals or whatever. Um, so, yeah, this could be totally scientifically plausible. I don't know. I did do the fucking research. Um, I'm sure they took some liberties with it, but... I don't know. It's They made it seem fairly plausible, so I did appreciate that. Nick comments to his assistant, or whoever he is, um, so Nick has like some worker that helps him, and he says that the shark's physical features are more like an infant's, but it's too big to be like an infant. Wow, sounds like Jaws 3 again. Late at night, we see a security guard walking the facility, and a figure dressed all in black sneaks away and goes to the pool with the shark, and then Nick sees them and tackles them down, and it's Samantha. Shocking, I know. And she explains that she took the eye out of the shark, so she knows it's the shark that killed her sister, but Nick says that they can't be sure. And Nick says he wishes he could help, and but he just decides to let her go. And I'm like, dude, she's pretty sure. Like, she stabbed a shark in the eye, I think it'd be pretty recognizable to her. I I mean, I guess, you know, you don't want to be too hasty and just kill the thing, but I don't know. Spoiler alert, it does come to bite them in the ass later. Now it's opening day of Waterworld, and it is busy as hell, and there's signs for the great white shark everywhere. A bunch of reporters interview the mayor, and Michael is, like, right by his side, and then they go inside for a tour, and the gift shark and the gift shop is selling shark stuff like crazy, and employees are pointing the way to the shark. And then at the tank, Nick is answering questions from the guests, and the window we see the shark in is like clearly just stock footage that they've composited in, which makes sense because I mean they're not going to have a great white shark in captivity alive, so yeah, it's fine. So once Michael sees like how many people have showed up to the shark tank, he then orders that the shark be fed, despite the fact that Nick has told everybody else not to feed the shark until after everybody leaves. So Nick confronts Michael, and the worker who fed the shark has his foot caught in a rope attached to the food, so he's dragged into the pool and attacked in front of a bunch of children. Absolutely fantastic. These kids freak the fuck out because this dude just comes in and he tries to escape. The shark gets him and they see like his half-eaten body floating there. Again, like Jaws 3. And the, they freak out. Uh, it's just, it's hilarious to me. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's really fucking funny to me. 
Samantha watches on in horror. Nick runs outside to close the gate to the ocean, and the shark is ramming into it. And when he's following the shark, it's like a remote control plastic shark looking thing. Um, again, I do appreciate that it was practical. It didn't look the greatest, but I mean, it worked. It was fine. Again, it's a made for TV movie, I'm pretty sure, or like straight to DVD. So obviously we're not going to get the caliber that you would expect from Jaws. Although I will say it does look better than Jaws 3. I'll actually give it that. The shark looks better in this than it does in Jaws 3, for most of it anyways. Nick manages to tag the shark with the tracker after it escapes because they were out of tranquilizers. How convenient. And then a bunch of reporters ask Michael, now that there's a man-eating great white on the loose, what do him and his staff plan on doing about it? And he gives the mandatory, we will do whatever is necessary. So with they don't actually have a plan, clearly, because that's what every like man in power says when they don't have a plan. It's like, oh, what are you going to do about all the school shootings? We're going to do whatever is necessary. Oh, so you're going to do nothing. Yay! Nick runs up to confront him, and Michael says it's Nick's fault because he brought it in there, and it's a PR nightmare. Like, this fuck nugget is worse than the park owner in Jaws 3D. And the mayor of Jaws and Jaws 2, like, combined. Oh, and Nick is fired now because this is all his fault, apparently. Sounds like Michael has a tiny dick problem. Jesus Christ. So then Nick is in a bar drinking whiskey while the bartender rambles on about some nonsense. He's talking about like the fog rolling down from the mountains. And I don't know. I didn't really pay attention. And I honestly don't think it has any bearing on the plot whatsoever. Samantha walks in the bar and they spot each other and she walks out. Nick chases after her and he says he'll find it and kill it if he has to. And she says she's going with him. And then Nick does the whole like, oh, no, you're not coming with me. Like gallivant fucking male dude like no the woman can't come with me not in that way anyways as nick goes down to the dock a boat called down under arrives with a crocodile dundee looking motherfucker and his name is roy bishop and he's been called down to hunt the great white and he's also a tv personality with a show on discovery or whatever in the movie um again jaws Three, they did the exact same thing. They hired an Australian guy to come and kill the Great White. Of all the shark movies to pull inspiration from, I'm absolutely shocked that this one is pulling so much from Jaws 3D. But actually, like, making it a little bit more watchable, I guess, in a way. But yeah, it was very surprising to me. At the wet dream, the boat, not my... Nope, not my wet dream, just the boat, the boat, the wet dream. Uh, Samantha has booked the boat, and Nick gives Tom and Mark a shit for renting it out to her, but then she agrees that he can tag along, and he reluctantly agrees, but then he's like, on the water, you listen to me, I'm in charge, and, like, she agrees to this. I don't know why, she's the one who's fucking paying for the boat, like, I, I think she can call the fucking shots, man, like, you missed your shot, but... I don't know. His assistant then comes down to the dock and gives him something wrapped in a cloth. And then Michael comes down to the dock and says that like they're out of their league. And then he tells Nick he hired Roy to clean up his mess. So yeah, we already knew that. And then Roy asks Nick uh, how it feels knowing someone died because he fucked up. Like how are more people not blaming Michael for this? Like this is 100% his fucking fault. Like Jesus fucking Christ, man. Ah, oh, God, I can't wait till he fucking dies. They all fuck off, and Nick shows his crew that he tagged the shark, and, like, that's what his assistant was giving him was the GPS tracker. On the water, they start to approach the signal, and they start chumming the water, but the shark starts ramming the boat, 
Samantha comes out with a shotgun and starts shooting the shark, but it rams the boat and makes her fall into the water. And then Nick struggles like hell to get her back on the boat, but manages to pull her up just in the nick of time. Like him and the other dude were both trying to pull her up, and they're just like, oh no, it's the water, it's so slippery. Like, no effort whatsoever. Like, everybody in these shark movies are skipping fucking arm day. Like, the guy in Three-Headed Shark Attack who couldn't save his girlfriend because he was a fucking weakling. My god, like, what are those muscles for? What are you doing with them? Jesus. Useless. Anyways, the shark starts swimming away, but the boat engine is smoking, so they have to call in for rescue. And of course, their rescue boat is Roy and the Down Under. So they tie up to the back of the boat, and they tow them back into shore. Later that night, Samantha has nightmares about Amy and the shark, and she wakes up drenched in sweat. In the morning on the docks, Roy has a, sh a shark strung up with some reporters there, and Samantha and Nick watch on and try to figure out if it's their shark, but its head is all chewed up and it doesn't have the GPS tag. So, yeah, again, this is like every other shark attack movie. Like, we saw this in Creature, uh, Peter Badgley's Creature, which I did an episode on a Patreon. Uh, Jaws, again, like just the first one. Yeah, like, this just is a very common thing. And I guess I'll give this one some leeway because it was done... Uh, 2001 I guess it was filmed back to back with the uh, first one if I remember correctly so I'll give it some leeway for using a lot of Jaws references it's movies nowadays when they use so many Jaws references and it's just like okay like there's other shark movies now and you know we don't need to lean so hard on the Jaws references in every movie anymore but that's just my opinion I'm sure some people fucking love it and that's fine Michael then comes in with his own camera crew and answers questions from the press. Roy and Nick exchange words, and Nick tells Roy he caught the wrong shark, and then they banter some more before he goes off to sign fucking autographs. On the wet dream, the boys are fixing the boat, and there are some bikini babes on the bow, and we learn that the boat won't be ready until the night. And so Samantha and Nick have like a romantic montage of them walking through the town, holding hands, driving places together. Oh, it's just, it's so fucking sweet. This was really cheesy and dumb. And I think I kind of blacked out for most of it. So I kind of just like came back to after it was over. And then, so finally night comes and they head out and they find the signal of the tracker. They think the shark may have gone into a cave. So they send in a remote sub to have a look uh, that Nick borrowed from the aquarium they find the cave and it's filled with great whites and this shot on the little tv screen was very cg but it's so short and quick and it's like a very kind of distant shot that it, it would have been a waste of time for them to do it practically really so it was fine it didn't really bother me that much they see their shark and it attacks the sub and Nick tries to reel the sub back in but he's left with just a wire. Nick shows the footage to his lab partner and they comment the Great Whites have never been recorded swimming in a school before. But see, in the description, they described this as a gaggle of Great White Sharks, not a school. Which I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, a gaggle is used to describe a group of geese or goose or whatever. Like... I don't think it's used to describe a group of sharks. I could be wrong, I'm, but I'm just thinking like school of fish, like school of sharks would make sense. I don't know, but I don't. it's just weird to me, man. It's just weird. And then the assistant shows Nick the blood sample result, and the metabolic rate of the shark is almost off the chart. Whew, craziness. I guess that means they uh, digest. I know, uh, I know what it means. I don't know how to explain it. But I don't understand why that makes them, like, wanting human flesh. 
I, I guess they threw in a science word and they're like, yeah, science, that explains it. You got it. Uh, they then go over the plot of the first movie. So Dr. Craven trying to find a cure for cancer, doing his experiments on his sharks. And apparently all of his sharks were female and pregnant. So all of these sharks that we're seeing now are the offspring of the sharks from the first movie. Cool. So Nick and Samantha go to the mayor and Michael is there, of course, and they tell the mayor to shut down the beaches, but the mayor and Michael won't because there's a surfing competition happening in two hours. So the mayor asks Roy's opinion and Roy says he thinks it's a bunch of science mumbo jumbo, which is the shit dumb people say who don't understand science. They're like, oh, that's just mumbo jumbo. It's like people who don't understand how vaccines work. Oh, I understand how it works. So it's mumbo jumbo and it's stupid. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's mumbo-jumbo. Even if it is mumbo-jumbo to you, that doesn't mean it's actually nonsense. It just means you're fucking stupid. Just saying. Michael tells the mayor that they have shark nets set up for the competition. Uh, the mayor then basically tells Dr. Harris to hand over the transmitter to Roy so he can handle it from now on. Nick and Samantha are on the beach with the transmitter. So I guess they never actually handed it over, even though the mayor told him to, because they're on the beach later and they just have it. And I don't... Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe they had a second one. I don't think that they explained this part. So, yeah, that was weird. So they're keeping an eye out uh, while the surfing competition takes place. Marcus and his brother are there with their bikini babes ready to compete. Nick watches the shark nets through with binoculars just to keep an eye on them to make sure they're not moving. And then on Roy's boat, he's chumming the water and his scuba mate suggests that maybe they aren't too safe in the water, uh, even with the cages. But they still agree to go in anyways because Roy's the boss. They're like, oh, hey, this is unsafe work conditions. Well, you're going in anyways. Well, you got it, Roy. Which is how all of my former workplaces have been, actually. Hey, I feel unsafe doing this. Well, too bad, Steve. Go fuck yourself. Ding. So they all get into the water and the sharks bump into the cages as they film. And after a while, start tearing the camera guy's cage apart. And this was mixed with some practical work and some stock footage. It was actually pretty impressive for the most part i didn't expect it to actually look this good from what i'm seeing so far it actually feels like this looks better than the first movie i'm i'm kind of impressed the camera guys try to escape but they one of them gets stuck and then one of them is eaten while the other one tries to make it to the boat um but one of the shark catches up with him and he gets it now roy's cage starts getting attacked in the same fashion his cage starts to sink and he makes a break for the boat and one of the crew manages to pull him on board just in time and he says that the sharks are now headed for the beach you mean like the surf competition as people surf and enjoy the water we see the top of the shark net start to bob and then we go under and see a hole in the net and then we see the shark fins nick's transmitter starts beeping and he and samantha start running down the beach in slow motion and the sharks start approaching marcus and his brother Man, if, you are, if you're going to, like, warn people about the sharks, you can't run in slow motion. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Like, I feel like the people on Baywatch would have been more successful if they didn't spend all that time running in slow motion. I don't know. It's just insane to me. Nick manages to get to the judge's table and grabs the microphone and yells, Shark in the water! Get out! Blah, blah, blah. And then everyone fucking panics and starts getting out of the water. Two sharks take down one surfer, and then another surfer is taken out. And these are done with, like, those same sharks that we saw earlier grabbing the remote control boat with the two kids on the dock. So it's very much the same thing. So they definitely had, like, a couple of them, like, going up and grabbing at the surfers and whatnot. 
So that was kind of cool to see some practical effects and not like absolutely terrible CGI for once. Nick rams one of the sharks as it goes after Tom, Marcus's brother, and he's thrown off the jet ski, but he manages to drive away just as a shark is popping up to get him. Whew, I didn't think he was going to make it. And the sharks get Marcus as Nick watches in horror. Tom is attacked by the sharks, but Nick manages to rescue him before he can be eaten completely. And then on the beach, we see the victims being tended to, some people missing limbs. In the mayor's office, Nick and Samantha storm in as the mayor is giving Michael shit. And Nick asks Roy what the fuck happened, and he tells him they were attacked from every angle and he lost two of his men. The mayor regrets not believing Nick earlier, and the mayor tells Nick that he has all the resources at his disposal. Nick, Sam, and Roy are drinking at a restaurant now, and I'm not sure how this fits into their plan, but, you know, we'll go with it. And Nick recounts the story of when he was younger, and he followed a fish into a dark cave, and then he was attacked by a tiger shark, and it took 297 stitches to sew him back up. And the shark decided to let go and let him live. And Roy has been on about, like, how sharks are evil. So Nick is trying to explain that they're not, but these sharks in particular are the result of a mad scientist. So, like, they have to be put down. And this is, like, one of those messages that I think gets lost in these movies sometimes when we're talking about shark exploitation. Like, this scene in particular, they're saying that, like, sharks aren't as dangerous as people make them seem. Just this group of sharks in particular are. And I feel like maybe those messages should have been more at the forefront. I mean, nowadays we know a little bit better, but I do still feel like that message is getting lost in a lot of these movies that, you know, we have to keep in mind they're fucking movies. They're not, there's some reality behind them. Yes. People have been attacked by sharks, of course, but it, they're not as crazy dangerous as these movies make them seem out to be. And it, they're even saying in this movie, like, yeah, these are like freaks of nature because they're science experiments. So like, these aren't like normal sharks. And I feel like that message kind of gets lost as I said, but I think that's just something important to point out. So they all agree to this plan. They finish up and they cheers at Nick's place. They go over the plan and, and they need to hit them all at once, so they're going to trap them in the cave and kill them, basically. That's their whole plan. Nick plans to use those electrical signal boxes and put one of them in the cave to lure the sharks. And Roy has, says he has a plan to keep them safer, because Nick was going to go into the cave and make sure all the sharks are in there. Um, so they all agree to go meet in the morning while Roy go gets a special delivery. Later on, Samantha is uh, sadly sitting by the pool, and Nick comes out to comfort her after he finished the device. She says it's a risky plan and that he could die, but he needs to end it. Because if he walks away and someone else dies, he couldn't live with himself. Oh my god, what a great guy. And then Sam says she's already lost her sister. She doesn't want to lose him too. And then they start making out underwater and stripping down in the pool and fucking... Yeah, it's not as explicit of a sex scene as uh, part three, which we will get to at some point. Um... And also no nudity in this sex scene, which is fine. The only reason I mention it is because earlier in the movie on the beach, um, or maybe it comes up later, there's literally one random shot of a nude or of a topless woman laying on the beach for like three seconds, and then that's it. And I'm like, so you chose to put nudity of a random girl on the beach, but not the sex scene. I'm like, why even include nudity at all? Like it's just it's completely unnecessary. Not to complain about boobs. I mean, I like looking at boobs, but I mean, hopefully they had permission to film her. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm, I'm sure they did, right? 
Hollywood, yeah, of course they did, guys. Come on. <laughs> they wouldn't just film a random topless woman. <laughs> I actually don't know if this is a fact or not. I'm just... I'm speculating, but I, I'm concerned. I'm a little concerned. The next morning, they meet Roy at his boat, and he shows them 20 pounds of explosives he has uh, that should turn the sharks into a shark smoothie. And he, has, he also has a mini-sub that should do 10 knots, which might be enough to outrun the sharks. As they head out, they discuss the plan, and Roy says that all the rock underwater in the cave won't allow them to detonate the explosive remotely, so they have to use a timer. Huh. Boy, I wonder if that's going to cause some drama later, guys. Oh my. Roy and Nick head to the cave in the mini-sub as Sam keeps an eye out on the boat, and she says she has multiple signals, and they start approaching the sub. And this is where we get some dodgy CGI. So when all the sharks are, like, following the subs and whatnot, it's very, very much CGI, and it's very dodgy. When they're, like, up close and, like, actually touching the sub, they're more practical. It's mostly just in some of the wider shots, I guess. So I can understand that. They didn't have that many shark models. So it makes sense. They start to lead the sharks into the cave, and they start attacking the sub, and the sub starts sinking. And Roy accidentally hits the timer for the explosives. <laughs> oh, boy, now they only have ten minutes to live. Samantha gets a shark cage in the water and gets in and lets it sink to the bottom. She swims out to try and help Nick and Roy, who are stuck in the sub. They all manage to pry the door open and try to get the sub back working. Roy volunteers to steer the sub into the cave and lead the sharks in there, and he says he can bail out in time, which he manages to do. And the sharks start following the sub into the cave, but one shark sees him and attacks him and swims into the cave with him in his mouth. And this was a nice practical effect from what I could tell. And like, it was like a full-size shark and Nick is, or not Nick, uh, Roy is in the mouth going into the cave. Uh, it was pretty good. I, I liked it. It was pretty good. As Sam and Nick try to resurface, they're attacked by one of the sharks. It gets Nick up against some rocks and Sam distracts it by hitting some rocks together. And then Nick shoots a spear at it and drags him along as it goes after Sam. And then right before it reaches her, Nick manages to shoot the shark in the head, killing it. And again, this shark was practical, and it was the most decent-looking one so far. I'm kind of glad they saved it for last. It had a lot more detail to it. It was very big, too, and, like, very uh, wide mouth and everything. It was kind of cool-looking. I liked it. Again, it's not, like, Hollywood-caliber, like, Deep Blue Sea caliber level i'm talking made for tv levels and in comparison to like some other dodgy cgi shit i've seen sam and nick manage to make it back to the boat right after the explosives go off and as they're ready to leave roy surfaces bloody and kind of chewed up but alive roy recounts how he managed to get away to nick and sam and he's still an arrogant tv host and he's just all excited about like how famous he's going to end up being nick and sam leave roy to rest and they kiss and head back to shore and we roll credits. And that is Shark Attack 2. So, just going right into the poster expectations, I mean, I technically we got people on surfboards getting attacked, although it wasn't Bikini Babes from what I saw, but I'll let it slide. And again, it's terrible, like, made-for-TV, um, like, VHS cover art kind of thing. I would say this cover is uh, lackluster in comparison to the movie. So I actually think the movie is better than the cover uh, lets it on to be, which I find usually it's kind of the opposite. Like when we're talking about Polonia Brothers movies, 
like their covers are so insane. Like they've got like fighter jets shooting down at sharks and like we never see any of that. And like, that's fine. I've come to expect that. But this one, like, or I don't know, maybe some people would say like it just kind of meets their expectations, but I don't know. I, uh, I, th- I thought the movie was actually really fucking decent for the most part. Um, like, I really like the use of practical uh, sharks. Um, I feel like they used more practical sharks in this movie uh, than they did the first one. And the stock footage wasn't too overused. And, like, for the most part, like, actually made sense and, like, matched up with what they were doing. And, again, I find this a little surprising because they filmed this back-to-back with the first one. So, I don't know why... Or maybe I'm just not remembering the first one that well. I know a lot of people like it because it's got Casper Van Dien and... Um, uh, Jenny something can't remember her last name, but she's also in the third one, which has nothing to do with the rest of the series. But as I said, we'll get to that one at some point later on. Um, yeah, but maybe I need to go back and revisit the first one, give it another chance. Um, but as of right now, I do think I actually like this one better. Yeah, it's still a cheesy made for TV movie. Um, but honestly, it was kind of a nice palate cleanser, uh, compared to some of the other movies we've been watching lately. So yeah, Um, as far as ratings go, I would say 2.5 is a strong rating. Um, I, I'd say 2.5 or maybe even three stars for this one. I did really enjoy it. Uh, the CGI sharks were pretty bad. Um, like they didn't match the design of the practical ones. Like they had like a very thin nose. Like it almost went to a point. Um, yeah, but that was a pretty minor thing. But yeah, overall, I actually really enjoyed this movie. Um, so yeah, I would actually recommend it. Watch the first one if you can too. I don't think it's totally necessary though because they do kind of say like, hey, like these sharks are from the first thing. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's really all you need to know. So you don't have to watch the first one. But I mean, Casper Van Dien, why not watch the first one, right? So yeah. But anyways, that's it for me, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. That was Shark Attack from 2001, directed by David Wirth. As always, you can follow me on all the social medias. That's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Slasher, all at Bucket of Chum Podcast. And don't forget to follow on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button, all that jazz. And I will see you guys next time on another episode of Bucket of Chum. Welcome to Twisted Tales. Just a quick little uh, short and sweet segment of uh, some serial killers, missing people, murders, all that fun stuff. So, just going to give this to you best I can. And, um, you know, thanks for listening, subscribing, whatever. I appreciate you. Take care.